Hi, CityCast listeners. In the wake of Hurricane Ian, we thought that you might be wondering, how do hurricanes work? So today, we're bringing back one of our favorite episodes. Meteorologist Eric Berger of Space City Weather explains the basics, stuff like how do hurricanes form and how should you prepare for one? It's Monday, October 3rd, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hi, Eric. It's good to see you. It's great to see you, Lisa. Let's start with the basics. What exactly is a hurricane? Hurricanes are basically low-pressure systems. So you get an area, essentially, of rising air at the surface of the ocean, and that moisture rises as it rises, it condenses into clouds. And if you get enough of this upward, vigorous upward motion, um, you get thunderstorms. Okay, so low air pressure above the water mm-hmm. pushes the moisture up. Yeah, and as this okay. moisture rises, you get thunderstorms. And if you get enough organization, you start to get a rotation effect. What is organization? That sounds like something corporate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a, 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 an improved structure the storms. They're they're stronger, larger, and not spread out all over the place. And then due to the rotation of the earth, you start to get some rotation of these large thunderstorms around themselves. And then it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Storms. Yeah. As they start to spin up further, if the ocean is relatively smooth and the atmosphere not particularly disturbed, then you can get kind of this spinning, spinning motion. And it builds upon itself. And as long as there's warm water underneath it and the atmosphere mm-hmm. is fairly uniform in terms of the wind direction at the surface as a, as you go upward, then you can kind of get this continued spinning motion until it runs into land or, or something else. I hear a lot about category four storms or cat fives. What does that mean? What are those? So this is based upon the Saffir Simpson hurricane scale. So Category one is the weakest hurricane. You've got to have 74 mile per hour sustained winds. And that's important. It's sustained, meaning it's constantly blowing over the course of a minute. So then you go up to category two, three, four, five. Five is the maximum. Okay. So what is a storm surge? On the right side of the storm. Okay. So it's rotating what? Clockwise? Counterclockwise. Counterclockwise. Okay. Yep. And as it's rotating counterclockwise on the right side, it's sort of pushing water at the surface, right? Because winds are blowing sort of towards shore, if you imagine a storm coming to Texas and the center is south of Houston, the right side of that storm is pushing water toward the coast. And the storm surge is simply those large waves or or walls of water, and it's measured basically above the tide level. So if you have a storm surge of five feet, it's five feet above the average tide. Okay. And how scared should I be of a storm surge? Well, if you live in the city of Houston, you really ought not be too scared about it. If you live in Galveston, obviously, it's it's probably the biggest threat, along with wind, that you would face from a hurricane. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that is like wiping away houses, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, that primarily you want to evacuate from. Yeah. Um, if, if your house is going to be inundated with six feet of water, with battering waves on top of that, you, do, you don't want to be there. Although if you live in Houston, you're 45 or 50 feet above sea level. So you're not going to feel a storm surge. Yeah. But the big concern for the greater metro area is the fact that we've got all of this heavy industry 
along the ship channel and in East Houston and Pasadena. And a lot of these factories are built very near the ship channel because you want to get chemicals in, get chemicals out. And so they're 12, 15, 16, 18 feet above sea level. Water comes into Galveston Bay and bad enough storm surge, it can be pushed up Buffalo Bayou or the Houston ship channel. So you can easily get water coming along those waterways 12 to 15 feet above. And so the big concern about the metro area is that you would have some kind of chemical apocalypse, basically, where you would liberate all of these hydrocarbons and, and other hazardous chemicals that are stored in these facilities. Whatever that toxic goo is out there. We would have 10 feet of water with waves and possibly tide adding to that and yeah. all kinds of debris banging on those big old tanks. I, I mean, we saw this. Mm-hmm. This is not a great example because it was not due to storm surge, but due to rainfall, heavy rainfall with the Arkema plant in 2017 and Hurricane Harvey. You know, that was a much smaller area. It was one facility. But if you can imagine sort of the cluster of chemical factories in the ship channel that are vulnerable to this, it's, it's, it's pretty intimidating. I always love the calm way you tell me things that are absolutely terrifying, Eric. (laughs) So the most important thing about hurricanes, I think, is that you've got to recognize there are three major threats. A a particular hurricane may have one, two, or three of them. And depending on those threats, it's going to have different impacts whether you live in Galveston Island, whether you live in the city of Houston, if you live in Katy, you know, wherever. If you live in Galveston, you're not really worried about heavy rainfall, inland rainfall, because that water is just going to run out in the Gulf of Mexico. So during Hurricane Harvey, when Houston was flooding, <clears throat> Galveston was fine mm-hmm. because it rains, drains in the streets, and it, it, it goes into the Gulf of Mexico. <clears throat> so the three main threats are, number one, inland rainfall. The second threat is also water-related, and that's storm surge, which we talked a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And depending on where the storm makes landfall, Storm surge can be quite minimal or it can be very significant. And the final hurricane concern, which is actually my biggest worry, is wind. We have not had a major windstorm in Houston, Texas since 1961. And that was Hurricane Carla. And actually, Carla was more than 100 miles down the coast. So all of the infrastructure in Houston basically today is untested by wind. And you can go back to Hurricane Ike. Yeah, 2008. But that storm made landfall east of Houston. Mm-hmm. And the sustained winds over the city of Houston were 60 to 80 miles per hour for the most part. And it did roof damage in my house in Clear Lake. It did lots of roof damage. It knocked out power for two weeks, right? For a yeah. lot of the area. It was a, right. really a devastating right. storm. It takes down all the power lines. But it, again, it was, quote, on the Saffir Simpson scale, only a Category 2 hurricane. And so it, we did not get a major windstorm from Hurricane Ike, even though it sure felt like it. I mean, I was in downtown Houston at the Chronicle at the time. (laughs) You know, there were tornadoes coming down Texas Avenue and it blew out some windows and it was really nasty, but it was not anything like a Category 3 hurricane hitting San Luis Pass would be. So why is it that sometimes officials tell us in certain zip codes to evacuate and other times to hunker down? If you're getting a major storm surge, Coastal areas are going to be told to evacuate, but like Houston is not going to be told to evacuate. However, you do have a decision to make as a homeowner in Houston, because we've seen with Hurricane Ike, the power system is not particularly resilient. And so 
you know, are you prepared to go without power for one, two, or even three weeks? Do you have the supplies for that? Or, or can you not survive that? And do, do you want to go evacuate? And so there's mandatory evacuation areas, and those depend upon the strength of the storm. Now, finally, again, we talked about wind. And I think if we get a major windstorm mm-hmm. threat here in Houston, you potentially would see a bigger evacuation because just, you know, again, 110, 120 mile per hour winds it would cause lots of damage to yeah. structures and send people to shelters. During the storm. Are we seeing the effects of global warming? Can you say that as a meteorologist? I mean, I've been writing about climate change and hurricanes for almost two decades now. And the science is, is both ambiguous and fairly clear. It's ambiguous in the sense that still not really certain whether we're going to see more hurricanes or tropical storms in a warmer world. And that may seem paradoxical because, well, you want water for storms to form. So if there's more warm water, you would expect more storms. But there's also a fair amount of evidence that the atmosphere becomes more disturbed. There's more wind shear. And so that would act against storm formation. So that organization you were talking about, it would not happen. It would get messed up. And that's 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 the good news, I think, that, that we're not going to be entering a, a season where there's like 40 Atlantic storms. Probably. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We've been running out of letters of the alphabet to name storms after. So The the problem with climate change is that there's some pretty good evidence that it's making the stronger storms stronger. And if you add 5, 10, or 15 mile per hour to the top end speeds of these storms, it's very destructive. Because it turns out that the force of the winds on your structure, say your house, the impact of that is actually the cube, you don't you know, multiply it not once, but twice of, of that wind speed. Oh. And so it's, it's every time you go up like 10 miles per hour, it's not just an increment of damage, it's a significant increase in damage. So the difference between 110 and 125 mile per hour is wind damage is very significant. Um, and so we're seeing evidence that hurricanes, top end hurricanes are stronger. Um, there's pretty good evidence that they're capable of producing more rainfall. It's very difficult to do these forensic analysis after the fact and, and really pinpoint climate change. It's probable that Harvey, there were five to 10 inches more rainfall with Harvey. Harvey was 50 of, inches, which is yeah, so some areas saw normally the amount of six, rain we get in a year, right? 60, 60 inches, yeah. 60? Where? Wow. Uh, the, some areas like east of Houston Okay. over a five-day period. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It, Harvey actually set all records for aerial extent of rainfall. It, it was really crazy. It's like, so if you imagine the home run record is like 70 home runs, right? Uh-huh. I think in Major League Baseball. It, Harvey was basically someone coming along and hitting 100 home runs or 105 home runs in a season. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, it's how far it's rainfall and amounts over like a 10,000 square mile area. Wow. Can we say that climate change is causing that? There's been some evidence that it's causing storms to slow down, like we saw with Harvey. I'm not completely convinced on that. It's like the steering currents okay. are a little less pronounced uh-huh. in the atmosphere. Um, but then, you know, th- there are some things we're very certain of, like the seas are rising. Mm-hmm. And so if you lose six inches, of, if you're already five feet above sea level and now you're four feet, six inches, you know, if you get a storm surge, that's six, it's going to be six inches higher. And so that is, you know, an absolutely certain effect. Yeah. 
of climate change. And so that's, that's very concerning as well. Wow. If there's one thing that you would want people in our area to be thinking about, what is it? If I asked you to give one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say, can I give two pieces of advice? All right. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a dispensation. <laughs> so, so first of all, I would say it's, it's important to prepare for hurricane season. I'm not talking about going out and buying three cases of bottled water this weekend. What I'm saying is understand your, your vulnerabilities. Like you should know whether your house is vulnerable to storm surge flooding. So find the elevation. And if you're like at 25 feet, you're probably fine. Um, if you're at, you know, five or 10 or 15 feet, you should understand Google zip zone maps and find out where your zone is and whether you need to evacuate from that. Mm-hmm. Find out your vulnerability to inland rainfall. Um, and Harvey is kind of a worst case scenario for most parts of the metro area. And understand sort of how old your house is and check and see if there are straps in the attic holding the roof down. Because if there are, then you're in a lot better condition for higher winds than you would be otherwise. Would you evacuate? So if you would evacuate, where are you going to go? Do you have a plan for pets? Do you have your medicines or, or things that you know you would need to bring? So the time to think about all that stuff is now. Because when a storm is threatening, it's a very stressful time. And it, you don't want to try to be making all of those arrangements at the last minute. And my second piece of advice is don't obsess over this too much. One of the things we noticed after Hurricane Harvey on Space City weather mm-hmm. is that people were super stressed out every time the skies got gray and it looked like it was going to be heavy rain because they thought that this was the next harvest. It was this PTSD effect. Mm-hmm. You know, we get lots of bad weather in Houston, but the chance of a hurricane having a major direct impact on the Houston metro area is about one in 10 every summer. So yes, bad things can happen and they have happened. But on average, you know, you get these bad effects about every 10 years from hurricanes. And so, I mean, if, if you want to be out there watching every tropical wave that forms and, and you know, fear casting that storm to develop into a hurricane and hitting Texas, you can. More power to you. And there's places out there where you can talk about these things. But, you know, for most people, I would say don't do that because... of these things are not going to have a major impact on your life. Um, And there are meteorologists out there that will do it for you. And and like, like one of our raison d'etre is to basically be, yeah, it's basically weather is to basically say, Hey, look, this is something you've got to worry about. And this is something you probably don't. All right. I feel calmer now. Well, at least until, at least until that first tropical wave comes off the African coast and, you know, there's a 15 day model one that brings a hurricane into the gaps. <laughs> you see surges in your traffic on spacecityweather.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Well, you're welcome. That was Eric Berger from spacecityweather.com. Now I am here with lead producer Dina Kesba. Dina, what else is going on around Houston today? Hey, Lisa. This is probably going to be the last time you hear my voice for a few months. I promise I'll be back with more news stories, but I'm headed out on maternity leave. So for today's story, I'm leaving you with a new bar out in the woodlands that y'all should totally check out. Kirby Ice House. It's got the longest bar in all of Texas, y'all. 
Now, granted, this is their third location in H-Town, but this spot in particular has got a bar that spans 141 feet. They've got 28,000 square feet of indoor and outdoor space, including the popular dog-friendly backyard-style patio that they're kind of known for. And with the weather getting so much cooler and nicer out, I'm sure everybody's looking for a place where they can sit outside. That is it for our show today. If you like what you heard, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. You're going to hang up and I am going to leave all kinds of instructions for Feral before I stop recording. You can't trust me. Ha, ha, ha.